So my mom got diagnosed with uh, ovarian cancer. They found out that it was aggressive from the get-go. And so she actually broke the news to me. She came to um, Grand Rapids with my dad one weekend and we sat down and I had no idea. I just uh, kind of thought they were visiting. And then that's when they broke the news to me. And uh, so that definitely was a, from the get-go, I, I understood the seriousness, but definitely came to understand like really, really how serious, even up until the past like couple months of talking with my dad. My understanding is my mom at some some point early on when I was a baby um, uh, had had really come to saving knowledge of Christ um, and surrendered her Lord her life to the Lord, and uh, but yeah hadn't gotten a, a baptized in her in her adult life, and so it's you know probably one of those things just life happened and um, but I believe over time it was something that I kind of brought up to her as I understood baptism better. And then my brother got baptized my freshman year, or his freshman year of college. And in the process of that, she ended up, um, it was a couple days before she actually, um, before she passed away, she was in her, at the hospice center in her, in her soon to be deathbed and um, had made the choice to, to become baptized. And, and knowing that um, she wasn't able to get fully submerged, she wasn't able to get out of the bed, but just seeing her obedience in that moment was, beautiful for me after the fact because I saw it on a video and it was super special and just seeing her obedience even to the point of death and the way that the Lord can continue working on us in those ways I think was so special and um, just beautiful after just years of prayer and those sorts of things was, was amazing to see. When I'm thinking about the legacy that my mom left behind I think a lot of again her this heart for serving others her her laughter her smile uh, her excitement about those sorts of, you know, opportunities to serve others and, and be there was, was cool. Um, and just being able to see it played out um, was special. Being able to see love in action. Her heart to, to help others, to encourage others, uh, to be a, a listening ear, to be a word of encouragement, to um, be somebody that uh, knew that she had your back and that she would, she would, uh, uh, to a fault sometimes, <laughs> even, uh, you know, risk it, risk it all, just wanting to help somebody. Well, I know that's a somber testimony, but it was important for Evan to share that. Would you help me thank Evan for honoring his mom and her legacy this morning? Evan is a, an incredible young man uh, from our church, and uh, he uh, actually just moved to San Antonio, Texas and uh, got a new job in that area. And uh, it was important for him to be able to take some time before he left. He had been talking to us about sharing a little bit about his mom's legacy. And, and so we appreciate that so much. And it seems so appropriate with where we're headed this weekend as we talk about uh, this concept of legacy and having eyes that honor others in our lives. Scripture is really intriguing what it has to say in Romans chapter 13. Romans 13 verse 7, it says, Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay your taxes. Yeah, we don't like that one. <laughs> if it's revenue, give them revenue. If it's respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. I work with uh, couples in premarital counseling quite a lot. Uh, Pastor Dan does a lot of that as well. Our counseling center does too. And uh, when I meet with a couple, a lot of times I'll ask them, what is it that attracted you first to one another? 
And they'll look at each other with these gleaming eyes and, you know, stare into each other's faces. And they'll talk about, well, I love how you know, spontaneous he is or I love how she's so organized or vice versa, whatever it is. And, and I said, okay, this is great. Now, you do realize that the very thing that you are attracted to in somewhere between one and five years is going to drive you absolutely crazy. And I, and, and I always try to share, but by the way, you know that by now. If you've been, they used to call it the seven-year itch. We just get itchier or earlier now. And, and so somewhere between one and five years, the things that attract you tend to be the things that totally drive you nuts. And so uh, I'll often do this thing with them where I said, now right now you're looking at each other and that phrase, you're looking at each other through rose-colored glasses. You are looking at each other with the best of eyes. But what happens oftentimes in any relationship, but we'll say in a marriage relationship, it's like you put on a different pair of glasses and you see them, but now you're seeing them from a very different tinted pair of glasses. And everything you see about them isn't the best of. Now you're beginning to critique. Now you're beginning to notice the things that drive you nuts. And I said, and what what really happens, people keep saying, well, he changed, she changed. They probably didn't change as much as you think they changed. It's just that your eyes did, and the way you looked at them changed. And this morning, what I want to talk about in that passage is this idea that our culture has lost, and it's this idea of honoring people. Now, that word honor means to elevate. It means to lift up it means to place a high value on people, to cherish them, uh, to give a standing ovation. And biblically, over and over again, it tells us that we are to have a view of people that elevates and, and gives an ovation to them or an applause. Our culture's lost that. Our, our culture kind of has, has said, honor those who you think you should honor or at least agree with you, and we've kind of lost this ability to see the best in others. And, and yet, what's interesting is nowhere in Scripture do I see that we as Christians are supposed to emulate culture, but rather we're supposed to stand contrary to culture. We're supposed to be individuals that stand and look like Christ, not like culture, and many times what's happened in the church is we look way more like culture than we do Christ. Gary Smalley, who spoke on the, the family and specifically about marriage and family, years and years ago, he used to talk about honor as A-W-E, honor. It's looking at someone with incredible reverence that when they're in your presence, you make them feel special. And it's interesting how much Scripture talks about this concept. Now, the first category that we're supposed to show honor to are, are we're supposed to honor our parents. We honor our parents. How many of you are a parent? Just raise your hand or a grandparent. Yeah, and you're all saying amen to that, Pastor. Amen. Yeah, honor your parents. Notice what it says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 23. And by the way, it's found in Exodus chapter 20 and throughout the Old Testament as well. Here's what it says. Honor honor. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy life on the earth. 
There's this idea of a connection that God blesses those who look properly upon those who are their parents. And I, some of you right now are saying, yeah, but my parents don't deserve it. They, they didn't raise us right. They have contrary views from us. They, they aren't believers. And you know what's interesting? Nowhere in Scripture do I ever see that it's a conditional clause. It doesn't say honor them if, it just simply says honor them. And you can honor someone without doing everything they tell you. In fact, you can actually hold different opinions from them, but you still, because of their, their place, their presence in your life, you give them, you give that to them. And it's interesting, if you have children or if you were a child, one of those two, uh, you know that there's kind of a progression that takes place in life. When you are a newborn up through about three years of age, you are completely dependent upon your, um, your, your parents. And so you kind of see them as, in some ways, not to be sacrilegious, but you see them as God. You see them as your, your providers. You see them as completely who you're dependent upon. And then somewhere between four, now it's interesting, we just had Jackson up here with Calvin uh, for the last couple of days. Jackson is three and a half. I think he's entered into that hero stage where when he looks at his dad, and I hope his papa, that when he looks at us, he sees us as a hero. So somewhere between three and let's say eight years of age, we're heroes, right? We, we, man, we, if we could ever be like them, that'd be incredible. And then somewhere between eight and 12, we become more like models. They're just simply, they're, they're learning how to do life and they're beginning to model their life after the things that we teach them. And then somewhere between 13 and 19, it is amazing how clueless we all become. Our parents are lunkheads between 13 and 19. That's where they don't have a clue of what is going on. And then somewhere, hopefully around 20, oftentimes it's much later than that, somewhere between 20 and 30 years of age, it is amazing how smart our parents suddenly became. Because we began to assume the the responsibilities, and we begin to realize maybe they knew a little bit of what they were talking about. I heard a guy on the radio a couple of weeks ago, and I laughed so hard because, uh, and I don't think he even knew how, how it sounded, but he said, you know, it's amazing. I discovered that when, when we're spending our own money, how much quicker it goes than when we had our parents' money. I mean, I got blessed. I almost pulled off the road. I was like, man, I got filled with the Spirit. My hands went up in the air. I was, it was incredible. But what's interesting is that Scripture doesn't just simply talk about honoring those individuals, but, but those who are of that age level. That we, we honor those who are our, our elders. I remember when I was a kid, we used to park out so far from the front door and dad would always get there a half hour before anybody else and we'd sit out in the car and then they'd open the church doors. And I remember saying to my dad, dad, why do we park so far out? I mean, we got here first. Why don't we park in the front? My dad used to always talk about how there are older people and they need to stand up, uh, park up there. And you know what? We are so fortunate because we have good health and we can walk and there might be a day that we do park up front a little bit more and and it's interesting dad began to just kind of plow that into me that you you always want to respect those that are your elders and that is a completely biblical concept in first timothy chapter five it says this do not rebuke an older man harshly but exhort him 
as if he were your father. Now, that doesn't mean you never correct an older person. It just says that you do so with a particular tone and with a particular attitude. You don't rebuke them harshly. You treat them as if they're your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older, men as, or older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. I remember a few years ago, um, I was speaking to, our, I think, our junior high, and I was speaking to the, the boys, and I remember getting in there, and I, I had a sword with me, and I said, guys, I'm going to give you what your role and responsibility is with the, those that are the girls that are on the other side here in a similar message tonight, and I'd hold up that sword, and I said, we are called as men of God to honor, respect, and protect that's what we're called to do. I had those junior high boys getting up, and we were doing honor, respect, protect. Honor, respect, protect. And they just liked it because I had a sword in my hand. But it was up there, and we were just kind of doing that chant together. That's what God calls us to do. You look in this passage, he says, I want you to look at those who are older, those who are elders, those who they are worthy of honor. Number two, there's interesting, he, he says, I want you to honor your spouse. Honor your spouse. Now, notice what it says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect. Now, that word respect, it's a poor translation in the NIV. It really is the word honor honor. It's the word time. Now, there is a word for respect. It's a different word. It, the, that word means kind of a, a fearful revenant, a reverence. When you show respect, you're showing a fearful reverence. It doesn't mean you're afraid. It just means you're showing uh, a reverence for that person. But the word that he uses to husbands here is that you are to time. You are to lift on high. You are to celebrate your wives. By the way, when you get in Ephesians chapter 5, he says the same thing to women. He says, and by the way, wives, respect, honor, lift up your husband. Not because they deserve it. Not if they treat you in a similar fashion. I know, I know that is not normal. It simply says, do it. Treat them in the manner that Christ would have you treat them. Honor them. Or we could put it in a different way. Years ago, probably in the wrong fashion, we used to talk about that people are tens, right? She's a ten, he's a ten. Scripture says put a ten on them. Place a 10, place, place a high value on them. Not in a discourteous way or in a, in a derogatory way, but in an incredible way toward your spouse. Put a 10 on them. Number three. Scripture says that we are to honor those who are faithful co-workers, warriors in the kingdom of God. 
Now, in Philippians chapter 2, Paul is talking about one of the the co-laborers in the field. His name is Epaphroditus, and Epaphroditus has become very ill, and he's now regaining his health. And here's what Paul says about Epaphroditus to those that he's writing to. He says, "Um, but I think it necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, my fellow worker and messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and he almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may be filled or have less anxiety. Welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor men like him. Give a, give a round of applause, give a standing ovation to men, women like him. By the way, in the next verse it says this, because he almost died, he risked his life. Now here's the phrase, it's a gambling term. In verse 30, it means to roll the dice. He rolled the dice with his very life for the cause of the kingdom. And when somebody lays themselves out like that and puts it all on the line, you make sure that you show honor to that person. That's why whenever I think of our strategic partners around the world, I'm always humbled by the Charles Kenyon Jewies uh, from um, Uh, from Kenya who gives leadership to our African international partnership there on the East Coast. Well, all of Africa, really. And then I think of James Chikopa. James is down in Malawi, and James is actually going on to new islands, new island nations, and breaking new territory for ground. I remember ministering uh, about five or six years ago we did some pastors' conferences that actually Colonial Woods, you actually paid for those. You, uh, we put it into a, a, a partnership fund during our missions conference, and I went over, and I was able to sponsor a couple of leadership conferences in Malawi. James set it all up, and I remember sitting in these areas working with these people from men and women. I, I remember there were some women who were in the one particular uh, area, and they were weeping as we sowed leadership and encouragement into their lives. And I remember them saying, we don't even want to pastor a church, but there's nobody else to do it. And my church is 200 yards that way. And my church is, and they had these little house churches. And they were so amazed that a congregation would love them enough to just bless them. We took, we took, um, basic, basic Christian theology books over for them and just gave them away and sowed it into their lives and they were so humbled by that. But when I think of individuals like that around the world, that when you have the opportunity to just highly honor them, in a different way, even our church planters, not because they're necessarily risking their physical health, but they're risking everything, right? They're stepping out into the unknown with very little security financially, oftentimes with families, and they're trying to figure out how to do this. And I love that Colonial Woods over the years has just, has just done such a great job of honoring people like that. That's biblical. 
says, I want you to honor the people who have rolled the dice, risked it all for the sake of Jesus Christ. They're worthy of honor. Put a 10 on them. Put a 10 on them. The fourth category are actually faithful leaders in the church. Y'all did that today. In fact, I, I didn't mean for it to coincide with today, but I guess it makes perfect sense that it did. But you guys have been so kind to us as a, as a ministry team as to just simply show honor and, and kindness toward us. But notice what it says in Scripture. It says, the elders who direct the affairs of the church are well worthy of double honor. You put a 20 on them. Especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. And the reason Paul does that, by the way, if you read, it's interesting how you begin to see things from Paul's eyes because Paul, when he writes the church of Corinth, he literally looks at them and says, now we have given our lives for you and we have opened wide our hearts to you. Would you open also your hearts wide to us and make room for us in your hearts. Paul, Paul talked about how lonely sometimes it is in leadership. And he says for people like that, I, I, want, you to, I want you to hang a, a 20 on them. I want you to give them double honor. It's biblical. Uh, Ryan, I noticed you're down here. Ryan, stand up. Just Ryan Sharon. I noticed Ann's back here too. Ann, I don't know if I can get you all here or not. I'm not sure they can even see me here. But Ryan, you are one of the leaders in our church. You've served on our church board for I don't know how many years now. 20, 30 years probably? I think, yeah. Four or five, something like that. Uh, Ryan actually is, is a younger man in our church, but we love the wisdom he brings. And Scripture says that you are worthy. Now, Ryan, if I can do this, you're not just a 10. All I got is a 10. I don't have a 20. You got change for a 30? I don't have it. There's a 10. And then I got another one here. I'm going to make you a 20 today. Scripture says you're a 20. You are worthy of double honor. I know the heaviness that our, our board carries. They, they take the stewardship of our church very faithfully. Ann, stand up where you're at there, would you? Ann Whitey, and then I see Kyle. Kyle, you're one of those who did the president. Can you stand up too? And, and I, I don't know who else is in here that's part of our leadership team. If you're here, I'm not purposely missing you. But it says that those who give leadership, it's okay to give them honor. Can, can you help me thank all of them this morning? You guys are incredible. I would, say, I would say you're worthy of honor because you've got to somehow oversee me. That's, that's what the real challenge is. But he says to those, now, by the way, when we did that, you should have seen their faces. Big smile came on their face. I know it isn't always normal or natural in our culture, But when you honor people, it puts something in them. Husbands, imagine what happens when you honor your wives. I noticed Tammy came in here, and I'm not going to pick on her. I was going to make her come up, and I was going to put a 10 on her. I'll do that later. But <laughs> One of the prayers, Tammy and I are getting used to this whole empty nest thing. I talked about it, and 
And we made a decision a long time ago. We said, you know, we don't want to just coexist when we get, when the kids are out of the house, we don't just want to coexist. We want to really want to be together and have relationship. One of the prayers that I've had for Tammy over the last seven, eight months, every day, every day, every, every time I pray for Tammy, one of the things I pray for her is, um, Lord, I pray that today Tammy would be, which she would feel cherished. And would you help me be the conduit that cherishes her. Guys, begin praying that over your wives, and wives, maybe begin praying for your husband. Lord, I pray that today he would feel honored, valued, and can you help me to be the conduit of showing him honor? It's amazing what that'll do in their lives. Let me give you number five. Honor everyone. Now, now you're saying you're making that up. No, I'm not. First Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17. Show proper respect. Again, Peter uses the word time. Show proper honor. Show, uh, show proper value. Show proper ovation to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers Fear God, honor the king. Now, it's interesting, fear God, right? Fear God, we understand that to show God honor, reverence, there's a, there's a holy place, there's a whole nother place for honoring God. But, but notice what he says here, I want you to honor the king. Now, we don't have a king, and so you would honor those in authority. And can I... I realize that probably nobody wants to hear this today. But it, it used to be, my parents taught me, you honor whoever is an authority, whether you voted for them or not. We've kind of lost that. And you might be saying, well, yeah, but the other side doesn't do it. Ah, you know what? They got that sticky little thing called Scripture. It isn't normal, it's not natural, but it is completely biblical. You may not agree, you can always vote against them, but you show honor and respect to those in authority. We've lost that. As the body of Christ, Christ calls us to set the standard for this stuff. That I am not going to, I'm not going to somehow conform myself into the mold of what culture says is normal. No, can I tell you in these days, the body of Christ, as we follow the word of God, led by the spirit, we are going to stick out like sore thumbs. But that's okay. God calls us to do that. And the darker the darkness becomes, the more brilliantly the light will shine. And then he says, but honor everybody. Jesus did this, didn't he? You ever notice who Jesus put a 10 on? Jesus put a 10 on people with leprosy. Jesus put a 10 on women who were not respected at all in that culture. Jesus put a 10 on men who were social outcasts. Jesus put a 10 on people who were from the wrong country. Jesus put, a, he simply treated and put a high value on everyone. 
And so let me ask you a question. Who do you need to put a 10 on today? I ask our guest services when we were coming in, I don't know if you all got them or not, but I ask them to hand out some of these 10s. If you've been out in the hallway, you'll notice that some people were walking around with a 10 on them. Some people had a couple of 10s. I think Sean might have had one on his guitar. Yeah, somebody, I don't know where that came from. But anyway, somebody stuck one on your guitar this morning, and I saw, I saw Pastor Bob walking around with a 10 on him. I said, ah, Bob, you're worth more than that. I gave him another 10. You know, is that kind of a thing? And... Who do, you, who do you owe a 10 to? As you're leaving today, if you didn't pick one up, I hope you'll pick one, maybe two up. And today, just simply go up to someone and say, you know what? You're a 10. Show appreciation. Show honor to them. It'll change their day. They're probably going to wonder, what in the world have you been smoking? And today, you never know, do you? That's right. Today, you never know. And can I ask you, even if they're an 8.7? Well, you know, nobody's really a 10. You can always improve. Hey, can I, can I encourage you today? Be generous. Be generous with the way you look at people. I realize everybody can improve. But for today, be generous with your tens. Be generous with your honor. And you're going to find something, and I know you're having a hard time believing this, it's going to tend to change your attitude toward them. Ephesians 5 says, we do that with words, we do that with gratitude. We do that with elevation by placing them above ourselves. We show honor in these ways. And let's be the people who place honor in other people's lives this week. Father, thanks for today. I, I realize we may look at this and say, well, that, that wasn't a particularly in-your-face type message. And... Lord, you know what? Your word is so powerful, and I find that even when you challenge us, Lord, you honor us in even how you challenge us. And by the way, Lord, I'm so grateful that you somehow saw us worthy to pay the ultimate price that we can be in a relationship with you. None of us are a 10, not when it comes to purity and being without sin none of us measure up and yet Lord through Jesus Christ you've placed a 10 on all of us Lord if there's a person that I've been withholding because I feel like they don't deserve it I, I pray that we would we would give we'd be generous and that Lord that generosity would would lift them up and bring honor to you. Thanks, Lord. We love you today in Jesus' name. Amen.